Welcome to the Apologies Podcast. I'm your host, Lindsay Whistle-Fenton. I created this podcast to promote collective healing and repair. Each episode, I invite my guests to share an apology that they've been carrying. The only rule is that it has to be for a person they are no longer in contact with. My dream is that at least some of these apologies might actually reach their intended recipients. I also hope this podcast reinforces the idea that as different as we may seem, we're all just people and we all carry stuff. So with each guest, we'll first spend some time just learning who and how they are before hearing their apology. Today, we'll be talking with Will Price, an Emmy award-winning producer and multimedia specialist. He's deployed his production expertise in a variety of contexts from public media to athletics to higher education. Will is currently working as a brand manager at Abundance Wealth Counselors, LLC. He's based out of State College, Pennsylvania, where he lives with his wife and soon-to-be newborn daughter. Will, welcome to the Apologies podcast. Thank you for having me. So first things first, you have a baby on the way. That's Congratulations. Right. Yeah. Uh, at the time we're recording this, I don't know when people are going to be listening to this, but um, we're like seven weeks away. Oh. And this this weekend actually is our baby shower. So I'm just really excited. I am a I'm a people person and. Uh, it's really cool to see so many different people from my life and my wife's life kind of come together and, and celebrate something that's like really awesome. So I'm just excited to see everybody. And our house is already like filled with baby stuff. So it's going to get even worse after this weekend. How how are you feeling about past the baby shower, about starting this new chapter of your life? Yeah, I'll, I'll say that every day it becomes a little bit more real that like my life is going to change significantly. What's been really cool about this season is that I've had some friends that have just recently welcomed in their first child. So I've kind of gotten to see from that perspective of like what it's been like for them, but also understanding that every baby's different. We also have friends that are like expecting around the same time as us and kind of going through that with them. I've I've worked with kids in various different capacities for almost 20 years now. So to be able to bring in like a new human being uh, into this world and, you know, look after her, raise her and get to experience life alongside her is just really, really exhilarating. And I'm excited. I'm also very nervous for, you know, just For all the reasons I listed, you're also responsible for that person, not just for their safety and well-being, but also like their emotional health. And, you know, that's something that I want to place high value on. But I know that I'm human and that there's going to be times when I mess up and I I let her down. So just accepting that as, as truth and being willing to accept the the responsibility and and everything that comes with it. I feel like it's probably a really good sign that you're already thinking about all of this and thinking about her emotional health and and just so many things that you listed. How's your wife doing? Uh, She's doing great. She's a real trooper. She 
works full time as a paraprofessional on campus with kids with special needs. You know, it's a it's a tough job, but she excels at it and, and does really well. But every day it's like getting harder for her to like, you know, move around the house. You know, she's been dealing with some like heartburn and stuff and like not being able to sleep as much as she would like. So, yeah, I'm just trying my best to support her. What's a fun fact about pregnancy that you know now that you didn't know last year at this time? Oh, man, <laughs> that uh, that is a good question. Um, I think th- this might be a bit of a cop out, but I feel like everyone's pregnancy journey is different. And one thing that I've learned is that a lot of people have opinions that not only are they willing to share, but they kind of like force upon you when it comes to pregnancy. And, you know, I, that's something that I've had to deal with much less. The The comments that I get are very innocuous, but sometimes women will come up to my wife and like straight up share horror stories about their birthing process. And it's like, we don't want to hear that. And for one, like she didn't ask for you to share that information. So yeah, that's been very interesting, kind of like walking through that with my wife as we get closer to the day. But yeah, I one one interesting thing about ours is we've been we've been reading a book that kind of goes along with the pregnancy journey week by week. And it's remarkable how accurate things are, like <laughs> based off the weeks. And I guess like they've had billions of of examples of like pregnancies and stuff so it makes sense like the data but it just kind of it baffles me sometimes like my wife was experiencing like shortness of breath and when we, we opened the book and it's like you at this stage you might be experiencing some shortness of breath and it's like what like who's watching <laughs> us <laughs> yeah like are you are you reading our minds right now how is this possible you're just a, a book <laughs> but yeah i think you touched on something interesting uh the entitlement people feel not just once you are pregnant so mm-hmm. you know i i was married and as a you know youngish newlywed couple it astounded me how entitled People, not even people I was particularly close with, like felt to like the private information of if, when, how, like we were going to try to get pregnant. And it's like there's yeah. this weird thing that happens around pregnancy where it's like people just think there's like no boundaries and that right. your information is just for public consumption and people have all kinds of opinions about everything you do. Yeah. Yeah. I wholeheartedly agree. It, it felt like a weekend we get back and people are already asking like, all right, so when are you planning on having kids? And it's like, I don't know, maybe we should like (laughs) be able to figure out uh, where we're going to live first or, you know, (laughs) what we're going to eat for dinner tonight. Uh, (laughs) Right. Yeah. It's, I don't know. I think, I think there's like good intentions, but yeah, I, I wish we could shift the narrative around that a little bit. So anybody listening, it's private information, and if people want to disclose things to you, they will. That's, Amen. That's, that, that's the PSA for this podcast. Yeah. Um, one thing I, I wanted to touch on, so you and I had worked together at WPSU, and we never got to work super closely together, but one of the things I've always really admired and respected about you is, is things I've seen on social media about your 
activism, for lack of a better word. I feel like you're a really socially conscious person. What are some of the causes that you are particularly passionate about? Oh, yeah. Um, well, I, I guess I'll kind of like rewind a little bit and just kind of talk about my my history, uh, so to speak. So I come from a line of people that have always been, you know, very, I don't know if outspoken is the word, but involved in the community. Like my grandmother is someone I point to often. She was uh, an activist and, and she also worked as an administrator at Penn State, which is part of why at least my dad's family ended up in this area. And, you know, she was always passionate about speaking up for those in marginalized groups, especially students of color and, and supporting them however she could. And, you know, those efforts were recognized. There's a, a mural in State College of like notable people in, uh, from the community and she's on there. And like as a kid, I thought, I thought nothing of it. I was like, oh, yeah, that's cool. Like, you know, my grandmother's on the wall. But like she's now gone. She passed almost 10 years ago. And you know, every time I walk past it, I'm reminded of her and, and like her impact. And so I've I felt like part of what I've wanted to do is work towards, you know, having impact like my grandmother did in the community. And like like my parents have, you know, maybe on a smaller scale, but like they've worked to help others as well uh, locally. And, you know, sometimes uh, even on like missions trips and stuff. So. Uh, to, to answer your question more specifically, one thing that's really kind of touched me has been this conversation on police brutality. You know, we've been rocked by it in, in this community. Osazi Osagi was someone that I knew personally and had grown up with. And to hear the story of his interaction with police was absolutely heartbreaking. So when... 2020 came around and things had went down with Breonna Taylor, with Ahmaud Arbery and with George Floyd. And it really just kind of broke things open. You know, I've never really seen State College react to something like that in that way. And, you know, I wanted to kind of be a part of that, and make my voice heard as well, because I've I've also been you know, a victim of racial profiling. And, you know, we're talking about my child, like that's something that she's going to have to deal with too, being a black woman, you know? So I, I feel like since even going back to high school, things going on with Trayvon Martin, you know, I was the same age as him when he passed away and when he was unjustifiably attacked in his own neighborhood. And, you know, since then that kind of like has, you know, I've, I've known that these things were happening. And even then it felt a bit distant, but it's become so close that you can't, you can't like really ignore it anymore. And so the day that there was a protest downtown, I was up the night before and I had like written a, a short poem kind of just like outlining like these people of color that have been killed and, and unarmed, like, that could be anyone. And, you know, kind of the crux of behind that for me was like, what's next, you know? And 
I mean, we've kind of seen as of recent what's been next. Like it hasn't, the issue hasn't gotten much better. And so that's why I think it's important to keep speaking up. I personally like to support the ACLU, the Equal Justice Initiative as well. And I think that those organizations do a good job of really advocating for those that have been victimized really by the justice system uh, within our country. I, I just want to take take a second to acknowledge, but you named a couple of griefs in that, your your grandma, and I didn't realize that you knew Asazi personally. I'm, I'm sorry for both of those. And for anyone listening outside the area, so in, in State College, the incident we're referring to was Asazi Asagi. There was a mental health crisis. Mm-hmm. He was not well, and his, his family called looking for assistance because of his mm-hmm. mental health crisis, and he was ultimately shot and killed by the police. So that was an incident that happened right in State College, which is a a pretty small community in central Pennsylvania for Penn State's main campuses. And it is also uh, a fairly homogenous community. I mean, I think there is diversity if you want to seek it out. And I think the university contributes a lot to that. But but by and large, it's a majority white community. And so. Yeah, that brings its own dynamics to what you're talking about. Is it, so? Did you grow up in State College? Yeah, yeah. My family and I. Oh, you're you're like a unicorn. I'm always fascinated by people who are from <laughs> from State College because it's such a transient yeah. sort of community. Um, we so I wasn't born in State College, but I've lived here since I was like four years old. So like I I grew up going through the school system here and then I ultimately got my degree at Penn State. So I've been here pretty much my whole life, give or take six years. So I, I just wanted to like comment on like the homogenous aspect of, of the community. I, I I totally agree and you know, that's something that I experienced as well, like growing up here and, and going through school, like i there weren't many kids of color in my classes. And that's actually part of how I I became connected to Asazi is my mother, along with other parents in the community, like saw that disparity. And we basically had an enrichment program that they had started. And so a couple Saturdays in the month, we would get together and do kind of like learning enrichment things, learning more about black history and about ourselves as as black kids and you know something that I definitely took for granted as a kid but like looking back at it now I'm super thankful that they took that initiative and I got to interact more with kids that looked like me so that was our connecting point by our I mean Osazi and I and he's he was a good bit older than I was too so it was kind of me like looking up to him he's a very tall individual too uh, and now I am very not tall I uh you said something about earlier about how your family kind of shaped you with your grandma starting this this legacy of advocating for people and I I'm just thinking about with your baby girl and the way just this neat concept of legacy of like you're embodying that of your grandma and your parents. And mm. my guess is, is from what I know of other people who t- tend to be involved in, in caring and passionate is that it does sort of get passed down. So I think it'll be cool to see that legacy passed down to another generation. And I'm curious about like 
if, if you ever think about that, like what your daughter will take from you and from those who've come before mm. you in terms of involvement and speaking out and just kind of carrying that forward. Yeah, no, I, I do. I, I think about that a lot. And, you know, I want to be an intentional parent and talk to her about tough issues that are going on in the world. And I I also really want to parent and lead through love and have that be the, you know, the pervasive thing that, you know, if if there's anything that my daughter knows about me is, is it should be that I love her and that I want the best for her. And so, you know, when it comes to to legacy, like just by like being around family and being enveloped in that space and you know we gain a lot of our influences from the people that we're around especially family for better or for worse right and so I'm, I'm really excited for her to be a part of that because I, I do think that on both sides of of our family there is a special love that's pervasive and and so I really hope that she picks up on that early something tells me she will oh thank you So we're talking about legacy and another aspect of your legacy is your content creation. So I know also working in media, that's something I don't always think about, but we work in kind of a cool field and that we create things that that live on eventually past us. So you you're an Emmy award winning producer and multimedia specialist. Well done. Thank you. You've worked on a lot of different types of content through the years, from sports to educational videos to promotional spots. What's your favorite type of project to work on? What gets you most excited? I would say like human interest. I really like being able to tell somebody's story and and really flesh it out through film and, and media. You know, I've always been kind of a sucker for uh, a good like coming of age film and that's something that you know as I kind of progress in my career it's like a medium that I'd, I'd love to get into more because I think there's something special about being able to identify with people in different situations I can point to a couple different places where You know, I was watching something or I was listening to an artist and just like identifying with like what they were portraying through their art, through their music, through film. My wife and I, well, she was really into it at first and I got into it pretty late. But uh, the show This Is Us and when we got married, we ended up like binging through the first like four seasons that were available. And I was able to see myself, especially in the character Randall, you know, just in how he kind of felt like a black sheep in in many different ways and often looked for uh, approval from others. You know, that's something I resonate with. And also just like dealing with issues of race and stuff, you know, something that was unique to him and like none of his siblings really had to deal with because he was adopted. And I'm I'm not adopted. I don't I, I don't necessarily ad- identify with him in that regard. But, you know, just being able to go through those hard things and still come out succeeding in life. You know, he's he was like a fictional character that I definitely like admired a little bit. 
And so if I could make a, a character one day that's as well fleshed out as as Randall, you know, or let's say like King T'Challa from the Black Panther series or, oh man, Jules from, from Pulp Fiction. Like there are so many different pieces of media that I just, I enjoy, you know, I, I want that to kind of be fleshed out in the work that I do. I would say that like the stuff that I do though is not as much, if there's a story, it's because like somebody has lived through it, you know, and I'm hoping to be there to kind of help them tell their story and, and to get it out, you know, similar to what you're doing with this podcast. Like I, I really find this interesting, this, this topic of just like, deep diving into people's lives and and figuring out like kind of what makes them tick, what makes them unique, what makes them special. And I also think too, we on a daily basis, like interact with all different types of people. And I think it's cool to be able to help tell their stories when they're ready and being able to give people that platform when they're ready to. And so, like, I'm always kind of keeping my my ears to the ground. And, like, when I'm in a conversation with someone, like, it just kind of pings me. Yeah, those are the types of things that I'm really, you know, passionate about and interested in. I think you and I are drawn to the same element of this work, which is just people and just who and how they are. And and I'm thinking about, like, so you worked, the reason we never really got to work that closely together at the station is you were with Athletics. So WPSU is the PBS NPR affiliate station for Central Pennsylvania. It also happens to be where I currently work full time. And I want to note that this podcast is not affiliated with the station. <laughs> but I got to say, well, like you worked in Athletics and I used to just look down at that end of the building and think, man, like you got you guys just churned out an insane amount of content it's just, oh man, I was so impressed and, and also like horrified at the pace yeah. you guys went. And I have to say, like, I don't know much about the sports, but I think the unifying characteristic of that is still the people. So like I was watching, it was a documentary on Caitlyn Jenner and it was so fascinating because it was about athletic achievement, but even more than that, it was about person behind it. So I feel like that is sort of a unique thing that can happen in the athletic space where you can hook someone like me who is never going to watch something because it's about sports, Mm -hmm. but who is just drawn to the people in the game. Yeah. Yeah. And I think you touched on something like major that so it's something that, you know, I've been a sports fan my whole life, but that's something that's kind of kept me invested in it is like the the human aspect of sports it's like fascinating but also in some cases like horrifying the links that people go to to be the best at at what they do that was something that kind of kept me in the game so to speak when it came to you know working in sports at Penn State is we have kids that are enrolled in these programs and that are on these sports teams that are coming from all over the world and all over the country. And they each have something unique that they bring to the table. Some of them didn't grow up with a great support system. And even despite that, they've defied the odds and, and made it as far as they did or, you know, continue to get to that place. And then some of them knew from a young age that they were destined 
to do something great. And I think as a, as a producer and a director, part of your job is to get to the nitty gritty of that and to be able to push that out. Cause the, you know, the show that we produced was much more than just basketball game recaps and, you know, repurpose social media clips. It, it really was about telling the stories of these individuals that made up the team, whether it's the coaching staff, whether it's the players themselves. You know, sometimes it was the people behind the scenes, like the equipment managers or, you know, the trainers and therapists and stuff that were associated with the team. But I also, you know, I, I touched a little bit on the the horrifying aspect of it. And, you know, every feels like every year we hear about another athlete that they were at the top of their game and have hit like rock bottom lows or even in the the NFL, you know, former players dealing with traumatic brain injuries and, and life-threatening injuries outside of that. And, you know, sometimes that calls into question, like, what am I, what am I really watching? What am I supporting? And it's hard because like at this point now, you know, football, basketball, soccer, sports like that have become so ingrained in my life. And I really do feel like it's a part of, you know, who I am, uh, whether it's my own experiences in the sport or it's my experience, like, I guess, indulging in there in the sport. But I also think that with the adversity that some of these athletes go through, there's also stories of triumph and stories of people against all odds achieving something that others thought wouldn't be possible for them. So I don't, you know, I'm not doing the sports thing right now. And, and it's kind of for the best. Uh, as you mentioned, like we were working at a pace that was like, it was unhealthy. Honestly, it, I didn't have much of a life outside of work at that time in my life. And for me to get back into that world in any significant way, I think that, it, you know, I would need to carve my own path. You know, I, I, I couldn't really follow the path that I was on because it was kind of asinine. There's like a, a sense of pride that sometimes you get by like grinding hard and, and working hard on a craft. But I, you know, would experience burnout on a weekly and sometimes daily basis. And that's that's never been healthy for anyone in any field, despite what our culture says. You know, my love for sports and, and sports media will always kind of be there, but, you know, I have to figure out my own path on how I want to interact with that in the future. You have now wandered in front of the camera. Uh, <laughs> in 2022, you became the host of WPSU series Keystone Stories. And, you know, that can be a weird transition for people to make, you know, from from being crew to being talent. So what what's that been like for you? It's been quite the journey. I'm super thankful that I stepped out of my comfort zone to do something like that because I've grown as not only a professional, but like as a human being, just by doing something that I'm not typically comfortable with. You know, I'd much rather be on the opposite side of the camera and like, you know, producing or directing an episode or, or filming one. But one thing that's made it really easy is that, you know, I get to interact with people that helped me get my start in this business. 
And, you know, I can really feel the love and support that they have for me. Also, like, I've experienced some crazy things. Like, uh, we went to the drive-in out in Brookville, and the guy who owns the drive-in lives in the screen. Oh, He's, that's wild. We've been in there. Like, he, he has his own apartment in there. And he's got like a 25 year old cat living with him and a six year old pig. A pig <laughs> living with him? Okay. Yes. Okay. Yeah. And honestly, the pig was like, he was super nice too. Like, it was like <laughs> basically just like having like a, a giant dog in the house. Oh, I love it. But those are the types of things that you don't get to experience unless you say yes to things. That's, that's not to say like, hey, If someone asks you to do something crazy or like you don't have to. But if someone is like presenting you with an opportunity to do something and, you know, I guess somewhere along the road, someone saw in me like the ability to host even when I didn't see it in myself. And because of that, I now have this opportunity. So that's been really awesome. And I also get to just like pretend to be LeVar Burton for a couple hours, (laughs) which is really nice. You know, being a kid that grew up watching Reading Rainbow and seeing him like that was like a positive role model. Just being able to kind of emulate the stuff that he's done has been really cool. This has been a really enjoyable conversation and we are now at sort of the crux of this discussion, which is apology time. Will, what apology would you like to share? I'll, I'll do this without really saying any names, but uh, I just want to apologize to one of my friends from high school. I put them in like a, a tough position of like an ultimatum of sorts. It was like choosing our friendship. And uh, I, I put some undue expectations on like what that meant and I don't know that I've really ever gotten the chance to make amends with them fully face to face but like I, I definitely want to apologize for like the the immature moments that I've had the the moments where I put myself first and you know didn't step in to help them when they really needed it um, I definitely am It's something that I think about and I've lost contact with this person and might never, you know, interact with them again. Um, So I definitely want to apologize to them for putting pressure on them to be something more for me when I wasn't able to be more for them. Thank you so much for sharing that and for being here and sharing so much of yourself with us. And that's the, uh, the goal of this podcast. You said you might not ever get a chance to see this person again, but the, the hope is that maybe these apologies might reach the people they're meant for. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. And I've really, really enjoyed uh, getting to sit down with you. And this has been a really great opportunity. Well, thank you for, for making time for it, especially with everything you have going on. And, and we'll be sending you Love and good vibes and um, good wishes for a healthy delivery and just an enjoyable experience as a dad. Thank you. Uh, We receive it all. Thank you so much. 
Will Price is an Emmy award-winning producer and multimedia specialist based out of State College, Pennsylvania. To learn more about Will and to hear additional episodes from this podcast, visit apologies-podcast.com. I'm Lindsay Whistle-Fenton. Thank you for being here for this episode of the Apologies Podcast. If you haven't already yet, be sure to subscribe to this podcast. And then if you want to go an extra mile, it would be so helpful if you would rate and review this series on whatever platform you use to listen to podcasts because of the algorithms and all the things it helps other people find the podcast, which gives us a bigger pool of connections to make as we embark on this journey of healing. The Apologies Podcast is a production of Empathic Media, LLC. It's hosted, produced, and edited by me, Lindsay Whistle-Fenton, with music by Taizo Audio. If you have an apology you'd like to share, and you'd like to be considered to be a guest on the Apologies Podcast, I'd love to hear from you. You can reach out by going to apologies-podcast.com slash contact.